brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The modernists are celebrating the revolution of Vatican II. Its, its anniversary has arrived, and they're pretty open about the fact that the church was fundamentally changed at that council. They're even more open about there being a revolution in the church going on right now, fueled by the spirit of Vatican II. That's not really news, though. What is interesting is how the Catholic opinion makers are now out in force, trying to sell the synod on synodality and the revolution of Vatican II to a faithful population that overwhelmingly did not participate in the synod listening sessions. We're talking like 99.5 didn't. The modernists are having a both a crisis of credibility and legitimacy, and they're out there trying to change your opinion on what they've been up to. The propaganda is worth being familiar with, so you're not blindsided by the things they're saying in the coming weeks. But let's check in first with the Universal False Church of Man, that institution parading around calling itself the Catholic Church in a related story. Reporter Bree A. Dale on Twitter got the scoop here. Quote, the Holy See Press Office confirms that the Pope will take part in a meeting of the prayer for peace with representatives of world religions organized around the community of Sant'Agidio. The event, entitled Cry for Peace, will take place in the afternoon of October 25th at the Colosseum. End quote. Pray that this won't anger God more, since Catholic faith is the only way to the Father, and as Scripture tells us, all the gods of the Gentiles are devils, and the Church used to say that it was a sin to do that kind of thing. This kind of behavior would have been unthinkable before the council, and it shocked the faithful when the Vatican began doing this kind of nonsense in 1986 at Assisi. But it's taken on a whole new life under Francis, who does all these things in the name of Vatican II. Francis and his cronies are celebrating the anniversary of the launching of Vatican II now, and using that anniversary to remind us that their synodal movement and all its radical departures from the faith is merely a continuation of the revolution of that non-binding pastoral council. I've reported on the words of Cardinal Mario Gresh on this subject twice this week, and now we have the Catholic media singing the praises of Vatican II to sell the synod and synodality to the faithful, and they're always linking the synod to Vatican II to give it legitimacy. A perfect example of this comes in the percentage of Christopher Lamb, the Rome correspondent for the once mighty tablet magazine which before the council had been a bastion of Orthodox Catholic thought, but has since become a hotbed of radical modernism. Picture a British version of America Magazine, and you get the idea. Mr. Lamb spent a fair amount of time on Twitter arguing for the council as the last best hope for the Catholic Church, and the Synod on Synodality being the last best hope for the Church to make the so-called reforms of Vatican II a real possibility. Remember, the same Synod that's arguing for, for the ordination of women. From the Christopher Lamb, quote, Pope Francis says the Second Vatican Council tried to bring about a return to what is essential, a church which is rich in Jesus and poor in assets, and a church that is free and freeing. In his homily during a mass marking 60 years since Vatican II's opening, Francis warns against polarization, which he says is the devil's handiwork. How often times in the wake of the council did Christians prefer to choose sides in the church? Francis said both the progressivism that lines up behind the world and the traditionalism that longs for a bygone world are not evidence of love, but of infidelity. The Pope says that the Second Vatican Council, whose reforms have been the guide to his pontificate, 
rediscovered the living river of tradition without remaining mired in traditions. End quote. Being, being loyal to the traditions of the church makes you unloyal to the church now. Go figure. We'll continue with Mr. Lamb's ideas and quotes here in a moment. It's worth noting that Francis is pushing his typical nonsensical theology here. The concept of a living tradition means that big T tradition, that pillar of the faith, can change. That is not a rock of stability to anchor the church to, but rather something that is ever-changing. It's the same thinking for my American audience here that says that, the, that America has a living constitution, which can change and is interpreted differently to the, meet the needs of the day. Both ideas are, of course, nonsense on their face. And I can say that while also admitting that the U.S. Constitution isn't exactly the most Catholic document ever, which is not a popular thing to say, but it isn't. And the key idea here, though, that is when you attach the word living to something like tradition or the Constitution, the person saying that really means open to interpretation by whomever has the power to interpret it at their will and their will to oppose their will on it which is what Francis and the modernists have been doing for decades. Judging by their hammering of the liturgical life of the church, the smashing of religious orders, and the destruction of the sacrament of marriage and offering blessings for James Martin illicit pairings. But back to Mr. Lamb. He senses that there is a resistance to the synod on synodality that is rooted in the resistance to Vatican II. Apparently he's paying attention. <laughs> Quote, the implementation of Vatican II could be likened to a once brilliant football team which was low on confidence. A dynamic and experienced new head coach from Argentina has now given it a new lease of life. Rather than becoming preoccupied with debates on how the council should be interpreted, the Pope has pushed ahead with implementation. He's done this through the Synod, interreligious dialogue, and his vision of a poor church for the poor. A low point for Vatican II came in 2007 with a lifting of restrictions on the pre-Vatican II liturgy. Francis has reversed this decision and has found ways to bring the Council's ecclesiology to life, guided by the opening line of Gaudium et Spes. End quote. Mr. Lamb and the apologists for modernism don't understand that they're making our case for us when they say things like this. They just are. It is true that the Church in America and the West after the war was in some kind of a malaise, shocked by the horrors of that war, and by the sudden affluence that sprang up as a consequence of the rebuilding and the post-war boom of the 1950s into the 1960s due to America taking front and center stage in the, in the world economy and other things. But that only meant that Catholics needed a personal reform, a reorienting of our spiritual lives away from materialism, not a church reoriented towards the material concerns of the world, which is what we got instead all wrapped up in good language of personal calls to holiness that in reality were calls to conform the church to the wisdom of the world. Now Mr. Lamb cheers this on under Francis, who has decided that the resurgence of traditionalism in the traditionalist movement more broadly is a threat to this new materialist orientation in the church. Over at Front Page Mag, they really illustrate this false materialist church that is on the rise now under Francis with this story. Headline. The Church of Everyone, Why So Many Catholics Are Leaving. This piece goes into a lot of political topics that I just don't usually bother with and won't cover here really, other than to say that Francis has aligned himself with that figure that I call Lady Moloch. You, you know her. She was the one who was told a few months ago by her Archbishop, Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco, to not present herself for the Eucharist because of her stances on the uh, Moloch ritual. <laughs> 
and President Sleepy Creepy Sniffy Caesar himself, who is super devout as a Catholic, according to the media, despite himself also being a servant of Moloch and being dedicated to the widespread access to the Moloch ritual. Francis aligns himself with them, and in so doing has abandoned Catholic morality entirely, which is what is meant by making a church for everyone. From the article, quote, Pope Francis recently called for a church open to everyone. Nothing new here. The church has always been open to everyone, including sinners. The church has always acknowledged that it is a, quote, church of sinners. But when Francis says open to everyone, he seems to have something else in mind. Traditionally, when Catholics spoke of a church of sinners, it was understood to mean repentant sinners, people who were sorry for their sins and were trying their best to sin no more. By contrast, what Francis and other ideological Catholics seem to mean is proud sinners, people who are proud of their lifestyle choices and see nothing sinful about them, end quote. Where's the lie? The author then goes into those political points I referenced a moment ago. What is truly valued in the church in our time is the group hug mentality over the truth. It's not just that the modernists preach a false gospel. They actually align themselves with the greatest evil in history, and they attempt to put the church of Christ in service to this great evil. Because when I talk about the Moloch ritual, it's the greatest evil of our time. The faith doing so gets reduced in material action and good feelings. And that's why this Breitbart article is so hard-hitting. Headline, Pope Francis. Christians with a funeral face are not Christians. Note the image of Francis they were using for the article. Well done. <laughs> I love it when, our, when outlets do things like that. See if this makes sense to you. From the article, quote, the pontiff urged the young people to ask themselves what their contribution is to a joyful Christian community, insisting that they must be bearers of a joy to the world. There must always be joy because, you know, Christians with a funeral face will not do. They are not Christians, he declared. If you are a Christian, you will have joy. This was not the first time the Pope said Christians should be known by their smiles. No one has ever heard of a sad saint or a saint with a funeral face, Francis said back in 2014. Unheard of. It would be a contradiction. A Christian is a person who has a heart full of peace because he knows how to find his joy in the Lord, even when passing through difficult moments of life. The human heart desires joy. We all want joy. Every family, every people aspires to happiness, he said. You no longer need to look elsewhere, Francis continued. Jesus came to bring joy to all and forever. This is not only a joy to be hoped for or postponed for paradise, as if we were to be sad here on earth, but in heaven we will be joyful. No, this is not it, but a real present joy, because Jesus himself is our joy, he said. End quote. Sure, Christians should have inner peace, which I guess we could call joy or leads to that. But here's the thing. You notice that saints photographed in the 19th through mid-20th centuries before the council and the loosening of canonization requirements that causes people to doubt the validity of much of this stuff, that they would often be photographed with pretty grim looks on their faces. I guess according to the logic of the Pack of Papa, they're not really saints. But this illustrates the problem. The faith is an emotional material thing for all too many people. Certainly there are material requirements, and certainly the faith rightly invokes certain emotional responses. Chief among them can be joy. But that does not mean that the faith should be purely an emotional and material concept. But that's what it has become for all too many people. It should go without saying that this is a false gospel. It is a false gospel, that, you're, that the faith should just be an emotional thing. 
As Bishop Strickland notes on the John Henry Weston podcast recently, we are to reject false gospels and follow the only true gospel, the gospel of Christ. From the LifeSite News report on that interview, quote, It's not so clear for too many in leadership today in the church in various places, and too many people in the pews that are saying, Oh, well, you know, we want to go this way. We want to go that way, Bishop Strickland says. Truth is not about opinions. It's about a, It's not about a popular tally. It's not about a consensus. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. He's the truth incarnate. St. Paul makes it very clear, end quote. Those words are as true about the fruits of the synod on synodality and about the errors promulgated by the modernists at the council by Francis today as they are about anything else. Reject false gospels and follow the same faith that our Catholic ancestors held. That is the only true way to salvation. It's the only way forward for the faithful, for the world in our time. But I'm curious what you thought about this. Is it true that the modernists are celebrating the anniversary of Vatican II for this reason? You know, look, I've never seen a record of the anniversary of the Council of Chalcedon or Trent being celebrated in the church. So why Vatican II? And why does Vatican II have a spirit associated with it, but none of the other councils did? Is it because these dates are the equivalent of the 4th of July for the modernists? A celebration of their revolution. After all, people do talk about an American spirit. Think about it. Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As a sharing these messages on social media, that helps a lot as well. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.